0: And you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash film Daily for Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writers, Huay Bui.
2: Hey, everyone.
1: And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, before we get into how how our world is being changed by the coronavirus into the movie theater wars of 2020, (laughs) let's first talk about Avengers Endgame. This past week was the one-year anniversary of the release of Avengers Endgame. The writers, the directors went online and held a, like, streaming party where they, like, commentated and relayed information we have never heard about this movie. Brad, you did a whole write-up of this for the site. There's a lot of stuff here, including videos and photos that people are going to want to click and check out. But uh, what, what are some of the some more interesting bits that we learned?
2: Yeah, so both Anthony and Joe Russo and also writers Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely participated in this watch party, uh, and each of them offered up some interesting trivia tidbits from behind the scenes, cool photos, videos of like the final... Uh, scenes that Captain America um, and Iron Man shot with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, um, but like a lot of the more interesting stuff were like little details that came from early in development, stuff that got scrapped. Uh, like one of the things that Christopher Marcus revealed was that there were uh, drafts of Avengers Endgame where uh, Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch. Had survived the snap in Infinity War and ended up on a road trip with Rocket Raccoon, presumably in, in <laughs> space, since that's where he was. Um, but for some, like, they ended up cutting it because everything they came up with for her and like her character arc in Endgame wasn't anything except like wheel spinning for her character after Vision uh, had died. So I think so that's why they decide to instead have her uh, disappear in the snap as well.
1: Yeah, and one and one, there... one of the bigger things was that originally one of the Soulstones was going to be in Avenger.
2: Well, this was something that was very, really in development, and apparently it was something that was only briefly considered. Um, at one point, there was discussion about the Soulstone actually being Captain America. Uh, I imagine that it probably would have worked in the same way that Harry Potter is the final Horcrux in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. And that he may have either had to have been killed for it to be attained or it was something that resided with him spiritually because of what he represents as as a person. Um, but it was something that was only, you know, considered for the briefest moment. So there weren't any, like, specific or, uh, you know, extensive details provided about how that would have worked.
1: And who would have been?
2: I said Captain America.
1: Oh, Captain America. That yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. So he would have had to sacrifice himself to end this.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, it's you can check out our whole roundup. There's tons of cool, um, you know, behind the scenes photos. You can see Christopher Marcus's cameo on set. Uh, You'd see the directors posing with the actors in the the rebuilt uh, Avengers Stark Tower set. Russo brothers even offered up an interesting thing that's very clearly a joke. uh, So don't accept it as canon. But somebody asked them. Uh, If anyone was on the receiving end of the bench that gets thrown by Hulk during their mourning of the death of Black Widow, and they they said that it was Frank Castle. So the Punisher (laughs) got hit by that bench that Hulk threw.
1: Well, I mean, we aren't going to get any more of that Punisher TV series then, I guess. Yeah, see, that's why it got canceled. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about some more serious stuff. Trolls World Tour was originally, gonna, supposed to, was originally supposed to come to theaters and was released direct to VOD because of everything that's going on in this world. We've talked about this in the past. We've talked about how people have been saying it's successful, but we haven't really gotten the numbers. And now we actually have the numbers. We know how successful the, the big studio's first VOD release is. Chris, tell us about it.
3: Yeah, so according to this report, uh, Trolls made more money in three weeks on VOD than the the first film made in five months at theaters, and here's how that happened. So Trolls World Tour has so far earned $100 million in rental fees, and the reason this is working out really well for Universal is uh, studios... When they show something in theaters, they only get about fifty percent of the ticket sales. But with VODs, studio gets eighty percent of the of the the gross. So, you know, they're making more money now because they're they're not having to share the fees
1: with theaters. And how much did the original trolls make in theaters?
3: I don't I don't have those numbers, Peter. Don't have
1: the... <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. I only have what I have in front of me. <laughs> well, it, it it seems like they have netted, because of this, $77 million in revenue. So this is a huge success. So Universal has been giving some interviews about this. They've been kind of bragging that they made all this money and saying how this might be something they are going to be doing in the future. HT, tell us about that.
4: Yes, Um, and before I say anything, I want to point out the inherent comedy of you, Peter, saying uh, we're going to talk talk about something serious, and the first words you say is "Trolls World Tour." So (laughs) I just want to say that, anyways. um, uh, Universal, NBC Universal CEO
1: H. D. Trolls World Tour could be the inciting incident in destroying the movie theater, like the way movie theaters work. Yes, it could be like the first shot, like you know, like when you're watching Demolition Man and they're talking about the the fast food wars like you know who 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 threw out the first shot in the fast food wars like this could be it trolls yeah. world tour
4: if movie exhibitors and studios are about to go to war trolls world tour is the first shot <laughs> and um it Basically, is uh, the inciting incident yeah. is NBC Universal CEO's Jeff Shell um, giving an interview to the Wall Street Journal and basically indicating that theaters are no longer the priority for Universal following the digital, su- the digital success of Trolls World Tour. Um, Shell said the results for Trolls World Tour have exceeded our expectations and demonstrated the viability of PVOD. As soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. Um, And naturally, AMC Theaters, which is the biggest theater chain in America, took umbrage with this and released a very dramatic open letter to Universal Pictures chairman Donna Langley that they will no longer screen universal movies following the comments of Jeff Schell. Uh, they said, it is disappointing to hear these comments and that effective immediately, AMC will no longer play any universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe or the Middle East. This policy affects any and all universal movies per se, goes into effect today and as our theaters reopen, is not con- considered some hollow, hollow or ill-considered threat. So they also went on to warn that the chain is willing to do the same for any other studios that make similar moves as Universal, which um, shook up the entire industry when it gave Trolls World Tour that day and date theatrical and digital release.
1: Okay, so AMT Theatres is the biggest movie theater chain in the United States. So them saying that they're not going to show any future Universal movies, that could be a huge hit on Universal, but... I guess my question to you guys is, is this like an empty threat? Because there there isn't a big Universal movie coming out until, what, like maybe November, December at this point on the schedule? Like when Jurassic World 3 is going to hit theaters, are they really going to turn down that money?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous because AMC theaters is – they've been talking about how close they are to maybe not surviving being shut down this pandemic – and they think the best decision is to be like, fine, we just won't show these movies and take the revenue from them. Well, that'll show them. What
4: yeah, do you think, Yeah, and I AMC has been on the precipice of bankruptcy, too, ever since the coronavirus pandemic uh, hit. And they have. there's been reports about them being in danger of going bankrupt and taking refusing the revenues of huge movies like... F9 or Jurassic World Dominion seems like a really, really stupid decision for AMC.
1: Chris, what are your thoughts on this?
3: I, yeah, I just can't see AMC sticking with this, this threat. It's it's also kind of like it's a clueless on their part because like they're angry at Universal for not showing movies and this movie. So we're not showing trolls in theaters, but theaters aren't open. So it's like, you know, this is like, you have to roll with the punches. You have to adapt to the times we're in at right now. And no one really has any good idea of when movie theaters are going to really be up and running again. You know, everyone's hoping for July, but there's, there's no telling if that's going to happen and universal, you know, uh, (laughs) they took that risk. It's just, it's just very silly and wrongheaded. And I, I just don't get
1: where universal is coming from here. Yeah, and you also had an interesting thought in our Slack channel. You said, "Why is Universal not banning future Disney movies? Because Disney right. is going to d- direct to VOD or direct to streaming with Artemis Fall."
3: Yeah, they're they're dropping Artemis Fall on Disney Plus, but you know that could just be a different. Uh, I don't really know how yeah. how the revenue stream works, like compared to VOD slash putting it on a streaming service. But uh, yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> AMC saying we will never show a Disney movie again because that would like be disastrous since Disney owns everything.
1: I get like serious mafia vibes when they're like saying, you know, we're we're gonna shut you out of future theaters and stuff like that. And I I, I am I want to imagine maybe Disney went to NATO and all these big theater chains and like asked for permission to put art in his follow direct to streaming or something like that like I-, I can imagine like you know that dark room from the godfather and them asking you know <laughs> big nato
2: <laughs> i'm also sure i'm i'm sure the theaters realize that they can't threaten disney because there's no way they're going to yeah. survive if they don't have that marvel and star wars money
1: yeah for sure uh, writer brendan conway who used to write for slash a long long time ago uh, he tweeted i'd love to see films well presented in a great cinema cinemas have been in a race to the bottom with no control of unruly patrons and weak presentation they don't want to fight back by offering better service and have been uh, depending on exclusivity now though game over so i don't know this this really could be the first shot in how this whole thing breaks down and i think i think it's really a bad move on AMC's part to be taking this stance I mean, I, I can understand taking the stance of like, well, you know, Regal Cinema came out and said, or the owner Snow World, who owns Regal Cinemas, came out and said, you know, any film that breaks the theatrical vid- uh, window, we will not show in our theater. Sure, fine, you know that that that's your prerogative. But saying like you're gonna like blacklist an entire studio for the, for for the, doing that in the future is just ridiculous in my. In my in my mind, but what's... Yeah, like the
3: the the only way I can see this working is if literally every single theater takes the same stance, and then they'll have leverage. But I can't I can't imagine other theaters, like smaller theaters, like going along with this. So yeah, the, there's no like theaters don't have the leverage here to, to pull this off. Is what is what I think. Yeah,
1: I mean, who knows? Maybe this could end with like you know, the next Fast and the Furious and Jurassic World going direct to Peacock. And uh, (laughs) Peacock then overtakes Netflix as the number one streaming service. Who knows what the future holds now? Uh, But, okay, let's talk you mentioned earlier, you know, we don't even know when movie theaters are going to reopen. And we've been talking a lot about that. We know that there is some sort of plan to reopen in time for Christopher Nolan's Tenant. You wrote about that for the site, Chris. Tell us about it.
3: Yeah, so John Fithian, who is the CEO of uh, NATO, the National Association of Theater Owners, gave a very long interview with Variety about, you know, the plans right now to get theaters up and running again. And, you know, I, I summarize it. I urge you all to, you know, go to Variety to read the full thing because it's, it's really in-depth. But it boils down to, you know, as we've said in the past, they're really hoping that um, Tenet and Mulan, which are both holding on to their July release dates are going to be like the the target to, to get theaters up and running again by July, and some might even open like end of June. Um, uh, when that happens, the theaters will probably be showing you know uh, library titles until Tenant is ready to release. I think Tenant is July seventeenth, is is its date. So even if it opens July first, there's still not going to be movies to show. So they're going to have to show older movies. Uh, they're also understanding that theaters will not be running at full capacity uh but the you know the flip side of that is even though they can't have a packed theater for tenant because they're gonna have nothing else really showing they'll be able to show tenant in pretty much you know a theater a movie theater that has like 20 screens they're gonna be able to show tenant on all 20 of those screens so they're not gonna have to worry about packing in theaters. They're going to be able to, to stagger it a bit. Uh, You know, and it's also going to be like on a state by state basis. Like, you know, they're acknowledging that theaters in New York may not be ready to be up and running compared to theaters in smaller locations. And so, you know, they have guidelines. They're, they're sending out to theaters everywhere. They're talking with studios. They're talking with theaters uh so you know they're they're taking all these precautions but they really are holding on to that hope that july is is when they're going to be up and running again but you know maybe it's the pessimist in me i just really i don't see that happening but if it does happen great i would love for things to reopen again i just uh, i have serious doubts at this at this time
1: yeah well i think already what atlanta and texas Have allowed movie theaters to reopen, not that any have actually reopened.
3: Right. He actually says that, you know, Variety asked him, like, you know, have you heard of any theaters that actually are reopening? And uh, he says, quote, I have not talked to one exhibitor who is going to open up this week. So even though, you know, a few states are jumping the gun and saying, go ahead and reopen, no one is actually doing it just yet.
1: What about California, Chris? I live in California and lives in california when are the movie theaters in california going to reopen
3: uh, we don't have a target date yet but the the governor of california gave a governor Gavin newsom gave a, uh, did a daily briefing yesterday and he laid out a a four stage plan to reopen things and uh, theaters fall into stage 3 and he said quote Stage three is months, not weeks away. So there are at least several months to go for California to reopen theaters, you know. And technically, July is months away. So maybe that's what they're thinking here. But he didn't give a, an actual like month or date. He just said, we're not, you know, California isn't even in stage two yet. So it's going to be a little while before they reopen.
1: Do you think? They would actually release Tenet if, like, they can't show that movie in California, in Hollywood, where Christopher yeah. Nolan is. Man, yeah, I really
3: don't know. I, 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 have serious, serious doubts about that. But maybe, maybe Christopher Nolan will be uh, kind about this whole thing and, and let let it open elsewhere where it can't open in California. But I, 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 I really don't see that
1: happening. Gavin Newsom, uh, the, the governor of California, he has kind of been taking a a lot more restrictive stance than a lot of the other states in the united states and one of those you, you t- were talking about those like phases and phase four would include theme parks and phase four you say uh, phase three is months phase four is not reopening until there is a vaccine so yeah. so and a vaccine is what 12 18 months away or something they, they yeah, they're, they're
3: saying at least a year away
1: so yeah that's crazy but on the other side of the world and in, in other side of uh the 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 country i should say not the world uh in florida they are already making steps to reopen disney world in universal studios florida ht tell us about this
4: Yes, Orange County's Economic Recovery Task Force met this week to discuss discuss initial guidelines about reopening Orlando's Walt Disney World, which is where, uh, which is located in Orange County. Uh, the guidelines would cover hotels, bars, restaurants, retail stores, movie theaters that operate within the, within the theme park. And it's basically going to be um, taking place over three f- phases. Phase one, parks will reopen at 50% capacity. Phase two will increase to 75%. And phase three will be considered a return to normal. Um, it isn't a certain how long these phases will take, but the mayor of Orange County has um, uh, suggests has expects that the parks will realistically open by June, which is also a little on the optimistic side, even at a fifty percent capacity as they are uh, expecting. But the um, guidelines include things like mobile check ins for hotels, uh, contactless delivery. Uh, sanitation of all surfaces, um, uh, temperature checks for employees, as well as face masks and other such things, six feet apart uh, markers in checkout lines and in uh, theme parks as well. So it seems like they're making plans and are a little (laughs) on the optimistic side for when these plans will be um, um, uh, acted out. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, that's when, um, June is when they expect to realistically open, according to Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings.
1: H <laughs> this is Florida. They're probably yeah. going to open in June. I, I I see it happening. It's so
4: bad. That's so bad.
1: But it, I, just gotta say. I don't know. I'm not sure if I feel. Yeah, I guess I do feel bad because this isn't like people from around the world come and travel to Florida to go to these like theme parks, and this could horribly upset. You know the direction that we've been going in to, to try and trying to flatten this curve, ah, but Disney I also
4: is also reportedly still taking reservations for June too, so they might even be looking at that as an opening date.
1: Yeah, I just wonder like, can Disney make money because? With this, you will have to have a much reduced capacity, like you said, like at least 50 percent uh, reduced capacity. And then they're going to have to hire so many more cast members to do so many more things. You know, there's going to be a line at the front of the park of people checking temperatures and whatever, other, whatever, whatever other restrictions there are. The, the queue lines are going to have these six feet apart markers. Like it, it just seems like they're going to have to spend more to make less. And is that worth it for the Disney company? <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, we'll talk about one last thing uh, having to do with theme parks, and this is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. There was rumors originally that it was going to be set in the original trilogy in Tatooine and Dagobah, and those rumors have recently been confirmed. Brad, tell us about it.
2: Yes, uh, early on in development uh, when Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was just an idea that was uh, you know, being thought of. Uh, the the concept was based around the fact that the planet that uh, theme park attendees were able to visit was actually going to be Tatooine, which is the desert home planet of Luke Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker. Uh, this information comes from Dan Cockerell, uh, who was the former Walt Disney World Resort vice president, and he revealed that uh, the Indiana Jones Theater would have been uh, the heart of this new Star Wars land, and they would have had the Mos Eisley Cantina right across from the Star Tours ride, And they had a bunch of concept art that they worked on uh, figuring out what these places were going to look like. Um, They didn't get to the point where they were doing full on architectural drawings, but just, you know, renderings of what these places could look like. And ultimately what changed that was a meeting that Bob Iger had uh, with Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy, where they realized that they wanted to focus more on the future of Star Wars. Uh, Dan Cockrell says, quote, Kathleen Kennedy, her point of view was there are way more Disney Star Wars stories ahead of us than behind us. So should we really we should really think about do we want to build a Tatooine and build what all 50 somethings remember Star Wars is? Or do we want to build something else which is going to appeal to all the upcoming generations who are going to know the new stories? And that's, you know, pretty good foresight, because obviously there are a lot of Star Wars fans who have nostalgia for the original trilogy, But the future of Star Wars are the young fans because those are the ones who are going to be, you know, going to movies more and more. They're going to introduce their kids to Star Wars and they grew up on this new trilogy. And what's cool about having a planet that isn't necessarily tied to the old history of Star Wars is that you can do a lot of things and don't have to worry about upsetting canon or, you know, fitting pre-established timeline rules and things like that. And because they wanted Star Wars Land to be immersive, and have it tied to the actual stories and create uh, you know comics and books and things that actually took place in the the planet Batu, which is where galaxy's edge is set. You can do that by, you know, having a different location and being able to create a lot of things that are reminiscent of the original trilogy without actually being directly tied to the original trilogy. So even though like that that means we don't get to visit, Replicas of places like Luke's house or you know other locations on different Star Wars planets I think that was probably a decision that was for the best
1: Yeah, I I see a lot of fans online upset over this like, you know I guess these are probably people that love the original trilogy and aren't as a fan of the sequel trilogy Um, Fair enough. I mean, I love the original trilogy more than the sequel trilogy and I love the sequel trilogy but Having said that, I'm not sure I want to visit Luke's house. Luke's house was boring. There was a reason why he wanted to get off that desert planet. It's it it looks bland. Like there really isn't much texture to it, other than like the sand and like those like little huts and stuff like that. I'm I'm so much gladder that I'm I'm glad that we got Batu, which it can take like elements. Like you can see, you know. The moisture evaporators, and you can see like like little huts that look like they're from Mos Eisley, but not uh, you know it's not one thing. It's a tech like a bunch of different textures from around the world building this like one unique planet.
2: Yeah, I feel like the 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 way they went with Batu, it's much more than what would have been photo ops and just like a nostalgic trip to places that they wish they could have seen in real life. You know, they give you a real experience as opposed to like feeling like you're walking around some kind of museum exhibit
1: yeah anyways that brings us to the end of today's slash home daily you can find more of all of our work at slash you can find this podcast slash home daily published on itunes google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send it to your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter slash and write and read this podcast on itunes tell your friends spread the word and we will see you on friday